future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. You know, I believe that we empower women by sharing stories of women who are just remarkable in that they have overcome adversity and they're doing triumphant work in the world. So later in the show, we have Julia Stoddard, and she is a champion for survivors of sexual abuse, and we'll be talking with her later. First up, we are going to speak with Pamela Stanley, who is an international recording artist, and we're going to talk to her about her challenging road to success. Welcome, Pamela Stanley. Thank you. Hi, Pamela. (laughs) One of my favorite peeps. Um, Wow. So uh, I always think it's interesting... um, you know, you've been this, uh, you were an uh, international superstar in the disco era, and then you've continued to be a very successful entertainer throughout your entire life. Yes. And in fact, you are featured in my book, uh, Live, oh, Love, yeah. Thrive, in our <laughs> web series. And in the book and in the web series, you, you tell your story of um, how you uh, became a disco artist and, and your success and, and your, your road to getting there. And, and, and that's a wonderful story, and I, I hope people get a chance to uh, read your story in the book and also um, in the web series, which will be at this Saturday uh, um, at our our Live, Love, Thrive conference, which by the time we air will be have passed, but uh, they can get the book uh, on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) And so today I kind of wanted to talk to you about some uh, different things that we didn't share uh, in the book and in the web series. And I thought that would be of interest to our listeners because I, you know, a lot of times people know people from like, they may know you from your hit songs and uh, like coming out of hiding and uh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, And they may have seen your MTV video many years ago. You were you were on MTV back when it was, uh, it was uh, just launching, like in yeah, its second, second year. Second year, and, yeah. So people could actually and nobody s- was you know, there wasn't really video shows, so to actually yeah. get on it was like oh my god. Yeah, that must have been so cool to see yourself on TV. And I know it, it went was. all over the country, all over the world, all over the world. I must world. have changed your career, actually. I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and you know, it's to actually see it, but filming when you're making a video, like we filmed three whole days to get four minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same today. three whole days, and I thought, and it was so fun. So fun, yeah. And people could still Google it, because I know I've seen it on YouTube, the Google Coming Out of Hiding video, MTV, and uh, it's still as fun as it was then. Uh, It it was really a good video, yeah. Considering innocent compared to the ones today. Considering it was 30 (laughs) years ago, but... (laughs) And you still look fab, honey. Thank you. Yeah. And I know you're still having a ball doing what you do. Um, I know there's so many people out there probably listening that, you know, they would love to be an international recording artist and I know it's been a great ride um, but you know uh, sometimes we like to pull back the curtain and see you know what was your road to getting there because all of us have challenges yeah. obviously and so I know you've shared some with me and I want you to share them with the audience that uh, I know you grew up in a really Italian family yeah. yeah actually my mother's all Italian my dad's not yeah oh yeah he wasn't okay. Italian but all my Italian friends I know uh, they always talk about you know uh, everybody gets together on Sundays 
Sunday's the big Sunday was the big day. Yeah. Sunday. The big family day. And well, you guys would sing and dance and my mother would, oh sorry. My mother would make uh some always like spaghetti meatballs, lasagna, whatever. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, what a shock. And then we'd sit around the table and afterwards um I have a brother and two sisters, and we'd sing and work up songs. How we'd fun. Just sing. How People fun. used to come over to our house, and they go, it's like going into the magic house. There was always music. My yeah. mother cleaned no and wonder sang you loved it so all much. the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I grew up with South Pacific playing. and Yeah. And then uh, you were telling me, actually, your your musical abilities, because you play, you know, different instruments uh, that come, come from your granddad, My grandfather. Right? Yeah. My grandfather was... The whole reason, what, the the best thing I love to do with the entertainment, it's it's about the joy. Yeah, it's about if people come in and when they leave, if they feel better than when they came in. And so anyway, my grandfather he played piano, guitar, banjo, ukulele, mandolin, and he wrote the songs. Is that all? And he, no. Yeah, <laughs> and he built pianos and yeah. he refinished them. I mean, anything. And and I used to go with him as a kid, and he tuned pianos. And if I went with him, and he was delivering someone's piano that had redone. He sat there and played for them for 45 minutes and sang songs to them. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah, so, what I a mean, great guy. You sound he, a lot like him. Yes, and when and he had a piano store, and if people came in, he never ran and said, may I help you? Yeah. He just sat down at the piano and started playing, oh and they'd gosh. come over, and they'd, go, and they'd hear the piano. they go, oh, we love this piano, and he'd sell, sell it. Oh, my God, I love that. It's yeah. all like today, you know, one of the things they talk about in conscious living is uh, no matter what you're doing is to – uh, attract people like yeah. a magnet rather than try and, to push yeah. your agenda. Yeah. People, and he never had people, a lesson, by the way. Yeah, that's Everything why people hate salespeople, you. right? I I mean, know. It's like, so they don't want to be pressured, they don't want to be pushed, but they, but to be attracted to it, to be yes. inspired. So that's really cool that he did that back he then. Fantastic. He sounded very and involved. And he was funny. And yeah. All I ever wanted to, and he used to uh, do, he was in the Poconos. He would just go up and entertain in the Poconos. Oh, fun. And I would think, I want to be like him. Oh, so I he really inspired like you, huh? Oh, he was yeah. such a big inspiration. But now you said your mom and her sisters used to sing like the Andrews sisters, right? They were, well, whenever, every, on Friday nights, we would all go to Grandpa's house and my grandmother's house, and we would go down the cellar, because in Philadelphia, everybody's got cellars, and he had a bar all worked up, and every, all the relatives would come. And then my si- my you mother you know people and in California are going what's a cellar? Oh, no. it's <laughs> the basement down in the they basement. They think it's a car person. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're going, and then they would sing and yeah. do the Andrews sisters, and everybody would get up and entertain. I have yeah. to tell you not to be. When my father passed away of seven years ago, the night of his death, we, we had hospice, and there were twenty six family members, and we sang him. Oh, what a wonderful Everybody way to go! Everybody performed, wow. and the woman at hospice was writing a book. Wow! On people passing, and she said she'd never seen anything like it. Wow! Yeah. I sang want that. Him Will you sing death. when I die? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Well, you know what? Hopefully, <laughs> we weren't too. You don't loud. want me singing when you go. My... You better hope I go first. <laughs> I can see my father lying there going, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some beef. <laughs> so, but to to take it, like, seriously, though. Oh, okay, so, um, but, no, that was fun. But if we take it back to, because now it sounds like you came from, like, this perfect childhood and everything, and we all know nobody does, no. right? So it's interesting that you had that kind of, wonderful closure with your dad because I know you were yeah. sharing with me that you you had some challenging times with your dad growing yeah. up and that kind of affected your life um, in Quite. a way that uh, made you as a woman feel like you couldn't speak your mind 
Yes. Yeah. You know, so it's, tell me about that. You 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 hate to bring up things that are negative about your parents or and you know because you always want to. But I think remind people them, relate but, to it. But what my father came from a very difficult background, and his he came from an alcoholic father, and there wasn't much love in his family, and he his mother was beaten by his father, and so my daddy he. He didn't know how to love, really. And right. and I, I know he loved us, but he was very cold. Yeah. And he didn't know how to speak nicely to you. And to tell you the truth, if you're, he actually was, uh, when you look back, you didn't know that you were, he was an abusive, emotionally abusive man. And he, and he didn't realize at the time what he was doing, although he did apologize later in life and cried and said he was sorry, but How he was so, he, he, would, he would beat um, my sister and brother. Now they, oh James was, um, I was maybe three and James, Sandra was six and James was nine. So I would hear them get beaten and he would beat them with belts on their legs and they would get welts. And yeah, which they I, did I a lot was, back then. Yes, they yeah. did spank. The, and I remember hiding behind the refrigerator and hearing my brother and sister and I, and I literally took a conscious, at that little, I would go, I am not going to get hit. I yeah. am not going to get hit. You're going to be the perfect so child. So I became the perfect child, mm-hmm. and I never disagreed with anyone. Mm-hmm. I never had an opinion. Mm-hmm. I was a perfectly A student. I, I was an overachiever. And now you have nothing but opinions. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's why we get along. Yes, and and this yeah. and so what happened is, and I remembered, I I would hope my dad wouldn't get home because I knew that when he would come in, like a dark cloud would come yeah, in at oh times. My. But then you know, then you had yeah. your your good times, right? With, it's not like it was it every out. day, but yeah. but I remember being afraid of him, and and I also ended up starting to pick. Uh, and it was never I was never hit by a man ever, so I can't say that I I had that experience. But I always picked overbearing, emotionally abusive men. And right. I would pick them at one after another after another. Yeah, repeating Not the pattern. Repeating the pattern mm-hmm. un, until I became a very ang- I was an ang- I was great in my career and great mm-hmm. with my friends. But when it came to relationships, I started to dislike men and distrust them till I finally had this one boyfriend that I actually started to think about being violent. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that I th- he and I were having an argument, and I picked up, I had a little uh, makeup thing, and you had a little stool, you know, the mm-hmm. little makeup thing. Yeah. And I picked the stool up and threw it across the room, and I picked up the leg, and it had a spike, and I held it over the guy like this. Yeah. And he said, were... hit me, go ahead and hit me. And I just threw it on the ground, and I called my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She came and got me and took me to Women in Distress in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. So I started, I went into the, the man, I, I met with a man there, and he said, you are so angry at men. Mm-hmm. He said, you, you are so angry that you're the one that's going to turn around and do something, and you're the one going to go to prison. Right. That's how angry I had become wow. at allowing myself to be walked on and, yes. and mistreated. Yes. Yeah. And I and I didn't seem that way because right. on on this on the outside, on the stage, you know, I, I have yeah. control and I was fun and I yeah. and I and with my and, friends and I that's was who great. you truly are. And but in but every time I don't know why I did yeah. that. Well, because you weren't with the right person, that's number one. Yes. You, but I had yeah. to learn how to you needed to walk away well, from that. Well, I started that. reading. But anyway, so this man said to me, you need to go to classes. I'm like, classes? Yes, you have to go to women's abuse classes. So I went three months every mm-hmm. Tuesday 
And I'll never forget those classes. They mm-hmm. were they changed my life, and I started to be with other women. And let me tell you, it is it is amazing when you're sitting in the classes. And yes, there are women from the streets that were on drugs that were that their children were taken away and mm-hmm. they were beaten by men or whatever. But then you're sitting there with a senator's wife. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there with the yeah. with a policeman's wife. You're right. sitting there with a doctor's wife right. that come from the very high society. Now none of us were allowed to know only our first names. Mm-hmm. And if we saw each other out, you were not allowed to recognize each other because you could hurt. Right. You could really get them hurt if their right. husband right. recognizes. So all of the women were secretly going to these classes to gain strength. And I tell you, I gained some strength. Right. Right. Wow. That's I really thank you for sharing that, that yeah. because I can only imagine there's other people in you that are in those same shoes and they they I know you didn't even recognize I didn't that know you I were an emotionally abused. abused no. And I didn't know that my father was would be considered abusive today. Right. I mean, that's the way kids were raised. Right. I just you, thought you, you were... love your parents and you can't yeah. see that. And so it keeps repeating because we don't even recognize it. But the first step is awareness. And that's what you're yeah. su- suggesting to people is that, wait a minute, I'm hearing this story. That's happened to me. Oh, uh, I'm aware of this now. Uh, what is it Oprah says? Well, once you know, you know. You know. <laughs> so once you know, you can't pretend you don't know, and, and then you can do something about it. Yeah. And it's good that you then, once we have that awareness, that you took the steps. Like people have to take the steps to do something about but it. But I had somebody take me by the hand. That's my true. girlfriend, Anne. That's why we got to help each other. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even know. She just looked at me because she knew me when I was married to my uh, second husband. Mm-hmm. And she had lived across the street. And she said, you were abused then, too. Wow. And and I never was. I just want to make like I've. Never You'd physically. think because you're not physically abused that you're not abused. Right. People, it's, yes. hard, it's harder to define, I yeah. think. And I mean, there's no question about physical abuse. But emotional no. abuse is that fine line, like how do you define it? Yeah, and the funny and thing you define, is, is... I would say, wouldn't you say you define it when you know you're not feeling happy or valued? You feel disrespected. Would you say yeah, that those are yes, signs? Yes, and you feel... The funny thing is, is when you're in those type of relationships, you spend so much of your time thinking, I wish, how could I get out? But you don't have the strength to walk out. Right. Because then I think you get this codependency thing Afraid to be alone and that whole thing. And you think you can't do it. Now, you also told me you took another course that changed your life, uh, which was the landmark course. I have to say, yes, that Mm -hmm. was a really good. So after the. uh, Tout that. After that one happened, then. you know, it's funny how, how things happen in life. I was telling um, Catherine this, that I was working at the Riverside Hotel, which I met Catherine again. We hooked up after we had known each other. We'd done before. a TV we show back in the day in the 80s. And yeah. so um, I was working at the Riverside Hotel, and it was right after 9-11 happened. So it was August after oh. 9-11. Oh, my. And I had been working at the Riverside Hotel, and they called me. I met the dentist on a Tuesday and they called me and they said, oh, Pam, we hate to tell you this, but your last day is Saturday. <laughs> I'm like, what? And you had a child. I had a child. So I that was, was scary. Single mom. Yeah. Like, My last day is Saturday. So I didn't know what to do. So what I, I did was said, well, I, my father was turning 80. And so I said, well, I'm going to go out and visit my dad for his birthday. So I ended up going out to see my father and spend a week with my father and my mother and, I, and then this guy that I had dated before had been bugging me to take this landmark course. And I said, all right, I'll take it. I have time off. I'll just take it. So I ended up spending a week with my mother, and then she died three weeks later. Oh, my gosh. So it was like 
it was like God sent that I lost my job because I wouldn't have had the time to spend with my mother. And the next weekend, I went into the landmark course, and I went for that weekend, and yeah. I it was unbelievable how uh, you have to own your you have to own what you do. And what I learned is we train people how to treat us, right? And the and what I realized is. My second husband wasn't a bad man. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he had his own issues. And when he started to talk, well, why accepting the way people talk to you, you start to train them. And that was the f- biggest thing that hit me. Like, I train people how to treat me. Like, so you so, take responsibility yes, for Well, you start it. Yeah. to realize that you're allowing that type of behavior. So yeah, what, it doesn't just happen no, to you. You allow it you to happen. You allow yeah, it. And you then it play gets a bigger part and in bigger it. and bigger. Yeah. So, but I didn't say anything that weekend. I was still quiet, and I, I wanted to open up and and talk and let things out of my past, but I didn't. So I signed up for the second course, and after I started to think about it, boy, the second course, everybody knew everything about me. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ashamed. I I got rid of shame because I was so afraid. You know, like I said, I had to have straight A's. I was a cheerleader. I was the homecoming queen. I yeah. was, yeah. you know, most popular. Yeah. I was, I had to be those things to valid. I think, I mean, I'm glad I did. I had a ball doing it. Yeah. But it must have been a form of validation. Right. For me. Right. At that time. Right. Well, that's beautiful that you, I mean, I think the happiest people here on the planet are the ones that do the work on themselves. Yeah. So that oh, they and I can, read so many books. So that they <laughs> can get into a place where they're at peace and uh, handling things in in a in a Zen way that uh, yes. that they can enjoy uh, the love and the people around them and let that in because uh, when you're operating at a at a lower level of dysfunction and, and you can't then you can't really love and enjoy your life or even find your calling yeah. or your purpose and and so that all gets in the stuff gets in the way that's what yeah. they mean by people getting in their own way I yes. think um, well that's really great um, and I want to know. Um, you know, I think folks at home want to know since you were had such a, a glamorous, really, uh, career in in, yes. in uh, your singing career. I mean, you opened at the Copacabana for Tina Turner, and you no, opened I actually for, did the Houston Astrodome. Oh, Houston uh, Astrodome. Yeah, oh, I my. did the Astrodome with and Tina. I know you. Well, I know you did yeah, the Copacabana. Copacabana. Yeah. I love the Copacabana. Uh, I did. I opened two nights for Bet for Bet Midler. Yes, yeah. but I will tell you, one of my favorite people that they called me to do. They said, "List Tiny Tim's here. Do you think you could do Tiny Tim?" I'm like, "Tiny Tim, can you open for him?" I said, "Sure." Yeah. So and that was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He was so nice. He was so yeah. so nice. But Tina but, Turner. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many people you forget. Yeah. And I were. know you were up for Avita on Broadway, and yes. you went out for the Harlets for Bette Midler, and you've had a really exciting career and traveled all. All over the globe, all over the globe, uh, singing and still do. You know, and, I was five, and yeah. I said to people that I was going to sing around. I'm going to. They go, "What are you going to do?" I go, "I'm going to sing around the world." <laughs> and I, ha- I said, "Boy, <laughs> I was only five years old, but boy, have I!" And yeah, yeah. I you saw love you, 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 you saw world. that vision or created it. One of the two. Yeah. yeah, I always wondered. You know, is it something that you you can see into the future? You know, like what's meant to be, or there was no choice. Or do you create? No, it, it was a calling. It was a me. calling. The, yeah. Here was my calling to sing, and be a joy bringer. Yeah. If that that is the two things, I pray every day, Lord, let me be a joy bringer. So that's what I want. When people come to yeah, the show, you should put that on your card. 
Yeah, the joy bringer. <laughs> That's what you are. The I can joy make bringer. a party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. I, I know. Can make I, a party. <laughs> I've been to quite a few that you've made. <laughs> I love doing the parties. So, um, I know, and I know you also um, have performed with famous uh, disco artists like um, Sylvester. Sylvester and, and Linda him. Clifford. Linda and Clifford, the Weather Girls. Yes, Hazel Thelma Dean, Houston. Thelma Houston. Yeah. Uh, we're going down memory Jessica lane. Jessica Williams. There's so many yeah. great girls. And I remember seeing clips of you on the disco show. What what show was that? Uh, Dance Fever. Dance Fever, right. Now, you know, just about Linda Clifford, I want to tell you something that's really a riot. If you want to go and do something funny, Linda Clifford was uh, in Delaware where I was, and she, she performed where I usually perform. So what happened is I called her up. It was Sunday tea, and I said, Linda, come up here. And so well, I was saying, here's shows tomorrow night. And then I said, and so Uptown Funk started. I looked at her. I said, you wouldn't happen to know Uptown Funk, would you? And she said, yes, I do. Re- so, this, anyway. so this is kind of recent. Yeah, this is just yeah. a, like a couple months ago. Yeah. So anyway, there is a, a YouTube thing of Linda and I. Two women in their sixties doing uptown funk, oh and we god. are fantastic. Oh my god, I'm gonna you, I'm gonna <laughs> Google to that today. That. It's it on is, YouTube. Yes, I love it. And then her show, she called me up, and we did another. I forget what else we did together, but yeah. that was hysterical. The and two and of she us. was really well known for her song. Uh, they could see me now, right? If they could see me now. They in red light. Yeah, yeah, how's that go? Did. Yeah, if they could see me now. Oh, she was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was some love that song. <laughs> um, so. Uh, who was your favorite person that you met on this journey uh, or, or performed with? Is there somebody that's a standout? Uh, Dolly Parton. Really? Love Dolly Parton. And um, Barbara Mandrell is really, really a sweetheart. Yeah. But I, and I'll tell you, I love the Weather Girls. I love, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Weather Girls, I love. Oh, there's so, you know, whenever I'm asked that question, my mind goes blank. Yeah. My but, mind goes but what blank. Kenny cool. Rogers oh. is the loveliest man. Really? Yes. Frank Sinatra. Oh, you met Frank? Oh, my God, yes. I love Frank. Oh, my God. He gosh. didn't ask me to lunch, but I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> I rem- oh, I remember the, remember story. the story. That's a great he story. He asked me what you wanted to, to drink. drink. And I, lo- I couldn't even speak. I was so starstruck. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't you say a Coke I went, or something? <laughs> orange juice. <laughs> and he said, orange juice, get your own drink. And I get my own drink. <laughs> girly. Didn't he call you girly? Yeah, girly. <laughs> get your own drink, girly. That's, that's your, right. That's your Frank Sinatra story. <laughs> that's my best one. <laughs> I loved him. Oh, my. But he did invite me to the show. And I got he, to see his and show. And you guys were, were, didn't you sing on the same stage? I mean, you yes, sang before we, him or well, after Well, it was Lee Iacocca's retirement party. Oh, wow. Yeah, everybody was there. It was yeah. unreal. And Kenny was there again. Yeah. The Righteous Brothers were fantastic. Yeah. You know, there's, I forget what who I've met. What a career, Yeah, I forget who I met. And then somebody says something. I'm going, oh, yeah, I re- oh, yeah, I met them. <laughs> yeah. And I love you've been singing since you were five. five. and And now into your 60s. 60s, but who's counting? And, and who's counting? and bringing joy every day. Yes, and I'm not going to quit. I will not yeah. retire until somebody writes me and says, your voice sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think gonna that's going to happen. I got I my voice. <laughs> you are quite the showstopper to this day. Thank you so much for being on You're the welcome, show. Honey. You are a bringer of joy. <laughs> thank you. And I'm so happy to have you on. I love you, and, Catherine. <laughs> uh, thank you, honey. And uh, hope to have you back. I and so. uh, I just wish you all the best and continued success. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? 
If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live Love Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Julia Stoddard. Welcome, Julia. Thank you. It's yeah. wonderful to be here, Catherine. Yeah. Well, um, first, I just want to say uh, you inspire me. And uh, I am so grateful to have you on the show today. I know you're going to share some personal things with us. And you are on a new journey, um, I understand, to really help women. Uh, uh, you have a background yourself of uh, sexual abuse, and I know that it's something that you feel is your calling to step into and help other people with, whether it be uh, women, men, children. And so uh, let's talk uh, just a little bit about your background, um, just to give people an idea of why this is your mission. Sure. Because you're an extraordinary woman who has done something that not a lot of women have done, and that's what I want to talk about today, because I know sharing your story of overcoming adversity will help inspire and encourage other women to step into their strength and courage that you've shown. Thank you. So... Um, just a little bit about your background. I know it's sensitive, so uh, let's just touch on that and, and find out um, how what you did that was so extraordinary that I want you to share. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. You know, I'm really passionate about this. This has been my life's journey. So, um, you know, my first memories of my life were my grandparents, and they were the most amazing, kind, beautiful, safe, angelic, evolved, sweet people. They were raising me as my mom was in college. And then shortly after my first memories of this beautiful piece, my mom, my mom remarried. And unfortunately, who would know? They're very strategic and calculated. She married a pedophile. Mm -hmm. And uh, for myself, my journey began shortly after her marriage when I was about four and a half, five. I, I knew something was gravely wrong. Now, I was a child. I didn't understand what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was, he was a pedophile. Mm -hmm. He is a pedophile. So I had to... <laughs> work with that situation up through my late teens right. and and find my value and find my courage and find the ability to move forward in my life. And I feel blessed that I'm on that path and I want to help others. Right. And so what the extraordinary thing is that you did that so many people uh, don't, and I hope that you're sharing your story will encourage them to do so, is that after that decade of that abuse, uh, you decided uh, after you moved out of the house to share this with your mom. Yes, yes. Who then uh, stepped up to the plate and went to the police. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about what that led to that is such a powerful um, outcome of courage. Yes. Well, <clears throat> those of us that have been through the shame and the horror and the trauma, we question our value. We question Am I okay? Am I good enough? We question all these things. And when I was in my very early 20s, I went back to visit my mom. And we sat in a car, and I cried, and we had this conversation. And yeah. that was the moment. And my mother, mm -hmm. being the beautiful person that she is, she did not know. She was horrified. And she relentlessly went to the police daily. 
and said, you need to listen to me. You need to hear me. And they said, lady, this is old news. We can't help you. And eventually she and did not said, waver. And they said it was old news because uh, you had moved out of the house. I had house moved and, and, yes. Time had passed. A few and, years had passed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was, her, her mother skills, her maternal skills just would not, would not let up. And she, she kept connecting. And there's a beautiful man, uh, one of my heroes, and I, I absolutely love and I'm thankful for the police. I know they are having a tough time in our country, but they're beautiful, kind people. Yes. And there's a, my hero, Lieutenant Arnold Lamont. Mm-hmm. Arnold Lamont, my mother said, there's a man that's going to be calling you, Julia. I, I need you to, to work with him. Mm-hmm. And I got the call, this man from Brigham Young University, the police department, Lieutenant Arnold Lamont, and uh, he wanted to talk to me. And we went through a journey together. Uh, it was the first time in the state of Utah that two police forces joined, the Orem City Police. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Keldon Brown is another angel. And Arnie Lamont, the two of them worked together the city and the university worked together a year on my case. I went there about six times to Utah prior mm-hmm. to the hearing and the trial. Um, and so uh, what we're leading up to yes. is that you went to the police. Went to the police. And uh, they believed you. They certainly did. And they got thankfully. behind you. Yes. And you're right. Uh, in this country right now, police are getting a hard rap. And I do want to share the story specifically because the heroes of this story, in part, besides yourself, are the police department uh, there in Utah Yes, that you're talking about. Yes. And I know you talked about going into the precinct the, for the first time uh, to tell your story. Yes. Uh, that was one of the most healing moments for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Can't help but get choked up. I went to um, one of the years, in the year I worked towards the, tr- the trial. We did all the pre-work. Right. Hours and hours. Yes. I went to the Children's Justice Center, and I walked in, twenty early 20s girl myself. I walk in, and there's all these policemen in their garb, and they're big men. And I walked in a little uh, yeah. skittish, and I walked right. in. Because you were afraid of men. I was. Uh, I had course. been very traumatized. Sure. And so... I went into a room and I talked with Lieutenant Lamont on video for several hours for mm-hmm. the case. Right. And through the, the door, there was like a mirror glass where the other uh, policemen were listening. And I'll never forget the moment. I left the room and these big men that were so scary yeah. all had watered eyes. Right, right, of and course. And the beauty. Yeah, I saw them their as souls. beautiful people. Yeah, they cared. They cared. Yeah. And they, it pulled at their heart, and they right. were all determined right. to get to help with getting justice. Right. So it's now, beautiful. as we tell this story, and thank you for sharing it, I know it's difficult. Sure. It's the first time you've publicly talked about it, and I know you're on this mission to I am. launch uh, help. That uh, One of the things you explained to me was that the hardest thing is about having people uh, get behind you yes, and listen yes. and believe you. Yes. Uh, because that's one of the things that people of sexual abuse uh, tend to say uh, is why they go inside and don't share it with people is because uh, people don't take it seriously they or they uh, make you feel shameful or or they they don't believe you and so uh, I know that was a really important part of this puzzle yes. and I just want to say before we go any further that um, I want to tell the outcome of this yes. was that you persevered yes and this person went to prison for life yes. as they should yes as more uh, pedophiles and perpetrators should. Yes. And so that's the whole point of today's show is the courage and fearlessness that you have shown 
uh, because I want you to inspire other women. You know, more women are starting to speak up. They're yes. starting to speak up about the Trump situation with that. They're starting starting to speak up uh, about other uh, abusers that are out there. Um, it's becoming more uh, accepted that women, Cosby, of course, all the women standing up. Um, but it shouldn't just be in high-level, high-profile situations. Yes. It should be in these everyday situations because there's a lot of them, thousands upon thousands of these types of situations. And the whole point is here, uh, and I want to tell you your journey specifically to encourage other women to step forward yes. and put these people in jail because that's the only thing that's going to stop yes. it. As long as people keep getting away with it, it will not stop. And so women have to band together and, and men that have believe courage. in women uh, that love their daughters, parents, you know, mothers, sisters, have to get behind them too. And so this is where, uh, and this is a perfect example of uh, males getting behind women that yes. have uh, been abused. Uh, so so then let's get back to your story. So you, you told your story to them, and, and the next step was that they, they did a court hearing. There was a court hearing, and that was extremely healing, extremely healing, and Painful but healing. Painful but healing and courageous mm -hmm. for many people. So the day came. It was supposed to be a five-day hearing. Mm -hmm. And I. it was the state of Utah versus the person, and I was the witness. And I had all this support of people that I loved and the police force and my mother and my father who are divorced. Everyone was there. And I. they had a moment where I just couldn't go anymore on the stand. I was so upset. I couldn't, I, I couldn't go anymore. They stopped. The judge stood up. We all exited. And I'll never forget the moment that was the most healing and the most fear, fearless thing I've ever done and able to let go and push through fear. I'm in a small room with my father, my mother, the policeman who'd worked thousands of hours on my case, and the district attorney. And she just said very matter-of-factly, Julia, if we stop one more time, he's going to get three to five years. And that moment, being a young 20-year-old girl... Every, the moment stopped. My parents, my lieutenant, everyone didn't have a word to say. They looked down. And I knew that was the moment to surrender and walk through the fire and fear and show up. And I completely let go. And I, every ounce of courage walked back to that stand. I sat there and I finished. And it was so healing to have a jury of eight after the deliberations waiting stand up one at a time, state their name, and they said, he's guilty. Wow. And that was... That was empowering. That was empowering. The stakes were high. This person was, is a sociopath, violent, scary, very obsessed with me. I was very terrified of the outcome. Waiting for the deliberations, the lieutenant said, if this doesn't go well, we're going to have to think of other options. That type of fear, working through that type of fear, mm -hmm. the beauty, and for all the people out there that have been through this... When you know your value and you stand in, it doesn't matter if some of the people in my community I thought would be in my corner were ignorant. If I'm not a J.C. Dugard or an Elizabeth Smart or those three women in Ohio with Ariel Castro, if you're not main news, sometimes they doubt. It doesn't matter. Right. Your value so is is I, understanding your value and connecting with the people that, right. that believe you. But that was healing to have the humanity, the beauty of humanity, the strangers say – we believe you. We know the facts. We right. believe you. Guilty. And yet the hardest thing was having the Mormon church leaders not get behind you. It was very painful. Right. I have because a you grew up with them. And yes. And you thought they loved you and you felt 
You know, yes. you felt that, you know, for sure. You, I think you felt for sure these people would support you. Yes. But that was who let you down. And it was the police. And you mentioned some biker group that got yes. behind you. I have a tremendous respect for my yeah. upbringing. Yeah. But the, the people in the neighborhood that were in charge of the situation in the church, they're just very ignorant and poorly educated in this topic. Once I realized they were in the room of the hearing, I, I felt like, oh, they're here. And then I started to realize they're not here for me. Oh, my God. It was absolutely disturbing. But I pushed through. It was so devastating and heartbreaking. But the stakes were so high. I was fearful of my life. I was fearful of my younger sister, my mother, other women and children. I thought, I can't worry about what people think. I have to stay focused on this moment. You know, it was very selfless because you were really concerned about other people. Your, I was. Your other family members, other girls. And I think that's the message to other women is... You know, you have to step out of your ego and say, I'm going to do this to help other women. Because once you put that perpetrator away, yes, then they can't hurt other people. That's absolutely right. So not only are you doing it to empower yourself and take your strength back, but you're doing it to save other people. Yes. And to yeah. be a 20-something young girl and to have to have that type of moment where the world is on my shoulders, my, my personal safety, my right. mother, my sister... And everyone else, I was able to somehow rise up and show up and go for it. I thought, I thought enough. Yeah. We can't have this keep happening. Right. This is so dangerous. I, if I'm the only voice in the moment, I have to be a voice. Right. But you know, yes. not everybody does that. Not everybody does that. So your, your courage and your fearlessness are just amazing and inspiring. And that is why I mentioned you in the Live, Love, Thrive book in my closing thoughts. Uh, there's a paragraph, Julia, that is dedicated to you, and it's uh, entitled Fearlessness. And that is what people, you know, the very gist of that paragraph that's about you is that it's not that you were, weren't fearful. And people got to listen and say, uh, you know, I'm too fearful to do that. No, it's not that you weren't fearful. It's that you were fearful and you did it anyway. That's that's the difference. And so it was a very selfless thing you did and, and a very courageous thing that you did. And I'm so proud that you now want to help other women garner that strength to do the same. We've got to be on a crusade. Yes. I know you've started a Facebook page called uh, Mother Courage that yes. you just launched. Yes. This is your new endeavor. Yes. And Mother Courage is for people of sexual abuse, whether it's women, men, uh, children, uh, to come together and have a conversation there and find resources. And it's really a beautiful thing that you're starting to work on there. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I think that it's, um, there's a lot of effectiveness. There's, there's, we have RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org. Of course, it's a powerful resource to help mm -hmm. people of rape and incest yeah. to heal and to have resources. But I, I'm looking to, even when you talk about it, there's a, there's a motion. You, there has to be. It's your life. But we can come together at Mother Courage and find a place to feel heard and loved and seen and heard. I want people to feel seen and heard and loved. And there's value to every human being. And some people, unfortunately, in our society, they may or may not believe you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is a right. place where you matter, and we are seen and heard, and that's my journey. Even if it's emotional at times, it still feels, oh, it's still important. Right. We're seen and heard, and, and there's, a, there's a present moment now. Now what? Right. We're here. Now what? Now, I know besides uh, putting the perpetrator in jail for life, in, in prison for life, um, that... You also um, 
you know, you did things that helped you to get through this. Like you had shared with me in high school that you had uh, picked up biographies. Yes. Of people yes. that you thought had really suffered some terrible injustices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Anne I, Frank, yes. for instance. Yes. Um, and that's what helped you get through it. Because maybe there's someone listening that's in this situation and, uh, yes. you know, sharing the tools of how you got through this, I thought was a beautiful thing. You might want to expound yes. on that. You can always talk to me. I'm at Mother Courage. Yeah. But I think the main thing for me, a few things. My first memories were my grandparents. I was very blessed to have a, a real strong sense of this is beautiful normalcy of love. And I was able to always throughout my journey, no matter how hopeless I felt, when I would connect with a stranger, I thought this is a beautiful person. The majority of humanity is good. So right. that was helpful to have that structure at the beginning to know what pure joy and love and the beauty of humanity. Right. And then it was actually my first one was junior high. I remember I was very depressed. I was very suicidal. And I was sitting in seventh grade in a class and they started talking to us about this young woman named Anne. And it was Anne Frank. And I perked up. I thought, how can she get through that? Yeah. Certainly, I may have a chance getting through this moment. And from that moment, I, I would look at other people of courageous. Maya Angelou was raped. Maya Angelou was a brilliant healer. Yeah. Just different people of how could I see that, how can I find and relate and find that hope? Right. And I'm really passionate about that. I do a daily practice, I do a meditation, I do a journal, and I, I enjoy all the best of humanity. I enjoy a little bit of everything. Deepak Chopra. I mm -hmm. obviously enjoy Oprah Winfrey. I had the divine pleasure of working for Marianne Williamson, uh, spiritual author. One of my favorite quotes is hers, something about letting your light shine and who are you not to be, you know, yeah. divine and help. When you let your light shine, you let others yeah. shine. And I think this is the beginning of a conversation for me, but it's about connecting other people and making them feel seen and heard. And Yes, when I talk about the past and the pain, of course I'm going to have emotion. But now, here in this moment, what's, what else is possible? And I want to be able to embrace and love other people and help other people that, that may feel like there's no way out of this. There is a way out. There's, there's a future. No matter how bad it may seem to you, you can get through it. There's a future. It might be a moment or a few years or, for me, a very large chunk of my life that was taken. It was horrendous, but you can get through it. You, right. you know, v Victor Frankl is another person I'm greatly inspired by. Man's Search for Meaning, a, a Holocaust survivor. When he got out and he survived, basically he said that the Nazis have taken enough of my time. And you always have the attitude to choose. And you, you do have dark days, but you can definitely say, okay, what else is possible? Right. And I'm interested in the rest of my life and the now and enjoying Yes. The present moment, because right. that's the gift I have, is right. every day. That was Not the past. Not letting your past uh, yes. own your present. Yes. You won't get, allow them to take any more of your time. No. Right. No. And there's all sorts of tools and resources, <clears throat> and I've been blessed, and I'm always a seeker of inspiration. I have mm -hmm. to be. How can I not want to be inspired by the best of humanity? I, I, I'm always seeking a little bit of everything, and I've, I've done therapy. I always do therapy. Um, yeah. I'm fortunate I, I'm sober. So yeah. we're about eight years. In my 20s, that was a huge Band-Aid, and I do think it yeah. was relevant when I needed it. Right. It was definitely yeah. relevant. Well, people, when they've been through something traumatic, always turn to something. Yes. Uh, and so whatever yes. that something is, 
you do have to let go of that in order to heal. And so, yes. um, in my I late twenties though, th thank you. Yeah. Thank you. In my, in my late twenties, I had a sort of an epiphany and I thought, Julia, you have been through the worst. You have been through the worst. Why do you want to continue hurting yourself? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to give that up and, and work with the sobriety. I'm thankful for that. And, and live a happy, meaningful life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, uh, as we always say, you, you're not your past. You're not. Yeah. You're not. And you're, yeah. I once heard somebody say your past is, uh, is, is just the horse you rode in on. Yeah. And it's significant. Sure, it's significant. And you can take those painful things and you can work with it. Some of it shapes you for the best or worse, but really, I think, for the best. Once you've been through the worst, everything else right. is possible. You know, you mentioned your grandmother. And um, also, yes. um, I know you had mentioned to me that your uncle was very special. Yes. And I just want to say that... Um, if someone there listening is an aunt or an uncle or a close friend and, and you notice that uh, someone is in this kind of a situation, you can really help save them uh, as far as being there for them and showing them something different. And I say that because you've shared with me what an inspiration your uncle was. I know he brought you out of Utah to New York, and, and, and that really was eye-opening yes. to you, life-changing. Yes, if I may overshare or be transparent. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I tried to take my life. I, I, I thought I was hopeless. Yeah. I thought, how can I go on? I was hopeless. Oh, I was in such a sad, so that thank you. I was in such a sad dying stage. And I was fortunate that summer to go to New York City for a summer. And that's a beautiful point. Mentors, it doesn't have to be family. People that believe you, surround yourself with positive people. That's the crooks of it. I have always consciously said, okay, my grandparents were a barometer, pure light and source and love. Yes, yes. And I consciously surround myself with people that are uplifting. Mm -hmm. And my, my late uncle was a beautiful source and love of that. He was so kind to me. Uh, my gay uncle, he was a fashion designer, very, very talented. But I always thought that was a pretty big deal. Here, a single gay uncle yes. says, I'm going to take in my niece because she needs me. Yes. And absolutely changed your life. Gave you hope. Yes. Made you believe in people. Yes. Made you believe in uh, a man. Made, you, made me believe in you. myself. And, and Challenged yourself. me to believe in myself. Gave yeah. me, at 15 years old, a book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. It kind of went over my head at 15. Right incredibly but powerful. planted some seeds i'm sure yes yes what an incredible man yes yeah so you know that really is the message that uh you know even if you're an aunt or uncle or uh you know neighbor or whatever you can you can help children that are in those situations yes. immensely yes yeah and really be a mentor to them uh and, and give them hope yeah yes and no matter how hopeless you may feel yeah. don't give up right. you're not alone and reach out right? reach out don't isolate as hard as that is, yes, yeah. and build upon the, the bulk of humanity is beautiful yeah. and build upon those people that you trust. Would you say, because telling your mom is really what was the catalyst to leading to this, that would you say speak up and tell someone? Yes. Yes, I would. And and God bless my mother. My mother is a champion. She's a retired first grade teacher. She has such a pure heart. And I think a lot of these perpetrators are very calculated, very mm -hmm. manipulative yeah. in our situation I think she was just very naive and trusting. And when she knew what she did, 
is beyond inspiring to me how she showed up for and me this is what, and believed uh, me. She and believed is, me. And this is what mothers need to do. If yes. their children come to them and yes. say this, they need to believe them and they need to take action. Because yes. I hear so many times people tell me that they've told a parent and the parent doesn't believe them. And what you've said yes. is the most painful thing is if someone doesn't believe you. Yes. And so believe them. Yes. Kids don't make that up, I don't believe. No. And if for some reason... They wouldn't reason, even know to make it up. They wouldn't even know what... No, you know, yeah. no. And if so. if someone doesn't believe you, like you said, keep keep sharing to people that you know and trust. Right. There is rain. Find org. someone that does. Yes. There's rain.org, which is a, a helpline and a resource. Mm-hmm. There's Mother Courage. Yes. And there are other resources. And I think that we'll get there. But I'm I'm committed to being a voice among the voices. I'm committed to it because we need change. We need to be visible. We need to be heard. And I'm not so sure in Washington, we need way more legislation that is validating. And I would be honored to be an instrument long term. I'm committed to this because I feel so incredibly blessed and committed to the fact of all the people. Did I want to sit in a stand and fear my life and have to go through a trial? No. But to be so healed and to feel so heard and validated to get justice, I know for other people, no matter how scary it is, do it. Do it. And even if, as I said, if someone doesn't believe you, it does not matter. Do not let that define Find you. Find people who do. Correct. Don't let that shame define you. If you're hit in a car accident, we say, oh, I broke my arm. Somebody hit me in an accident. Something about sexual assault, sexual abuse, human trafficking, all of it. People. So you're saying they, they believe that if, if you yeah, break or, your or the, arm, the person but they don't who's hurt, that. they go, oh, I got in an accident. I got my leg broken. It's healing. Somebody else hit me. It's not my fault. This is a different animal. We say, oh, I did something. It's me. I, I did. There's because all people this stuff. can't necessarily see it, like they could have broken leg or broken Yes, arm. or the individual, instead of saying, um, yeah. uh, you know, objective, like this was an accident. It's not my fault. Right. But this arena, we go, oh, it's the shame and the pain and the isolation and the right. self-destruction. As women, we go internally. Mm-hmm. Even men, it happens to men and children. But we put it internally versus saying, you right. know, this happened to me. It's not my fault. And there's right. a different l- level of healing and I was fortunate to, on a court level, have to go through that whether I wanted to or not. Right. But that healing. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing your story. And I know you're going to continue to make a huge difference in this arena. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for what you're doing. You're going to make a big difference in a lot of women's lives and, and men and children. And thank you for sharing your story. I know that wasn't easy. And thank you for all you're doing. My pleasure. Go, girl. I can help one person. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very special. And we will be back next week with Live, Love, Thrive, Hugs and Happiness. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together.